And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Hey everybody, and welcome to The World of Myth Bits. I am your host, Stephanie Barty, and this is probably going to be the longest episode of Myth Bits Magazine that has been done to date. Why? Because it is our 15th anniversary edition, and it is cram-packed full of absolutely amazing stuff. And this is episode 45, because I forgot to say that at the very beginning, or I did, and I just don't remember. Anyway, um, I have a couple of surprises. Well, one surprise with a couple of parts up my sleeve. Ah, 15 years. I don't know if you have been to the magazine yet. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and want to hear my impressions of the stories before you go to the magazine, or if you've been to the magazine, um, and then you're listening to the podcast because you have a story in the magazine and you want to hear what I have to, I don't know. But anyway, when you go to the magazine page, what you'll see is the exact same cover, but like it's the exact same picture, but it's two different versions of the same magazine on the left in the black panel, is what it looked like in 2004 when the magazine launched. And you can see the difference in the coding and the aesthetic look of the page as compared to what it looks like now in 2019. Um, The voting was different and... um, you could see on the retro magazine side, you can see the percentages. If you click on where it says show results, you can see the results of your voting. Who voted it was good. Who voted I didn't really care for it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, also, you'll notice on the retro, there was no space for comments underneath uh, the pieces in the magazine. Whereas our new the current version that we use now, you can comment underneath each story, each poem, each piece of artwork. And now, because I am the editor-in-chief and I said so, you will notice if you go to the, the current version, the 2019 version, you can comment on the book review, the art review, the movie review, the video game review, meaning you can offer suggestions, you can... Um, Add your comments. If it's a video game review and you disagree with an aspect of the review or you think that a part wasn't really as good as Jeff or reviewer thought it was, you, it's open for discussion. There's a place to discuss that now. Um, okay, so let's dive in. And if you've read my intro you will notice that I reference um, Terry D. Shearer quite often. And I say a few things that um, he has said. Now, if you didn't click the link at the bottom of the page, 
to read Terry's very first one-year anniversary intro when he was editor-in-chief. Well, guess what, my darlings? I'm going to read it to you. Because I can. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm going to read to you right now, this very minute, this very second. Okay, I'm going to try to because it's very small print because it was on the retro, obviously, the 2000. Well, this one would have been written 2005, the first anniversary. Okay, so it says, Welcome to the World of Myth. Hello and be well. Come to come to year two at the World of Myth. Whether you want to call this an anniversary or a birthday, for all of us, doesn't really matter. What does matter is that on September 6th, 2004, something small and fragile was born. Something that during the past 12 months has grown and matured, fallen down and picked itself up again on more than one occasion. We have the bruises to prove it. <laughs> has made mistakes and has hopefully learned from them has made a few enemies, who in the public eye has not, but has also garnered a great number of friends and has managed to have a whole truckload of fun doing it while doing it. This past year has seen its share of highs and lows for us here at the World of Myth. Some of us have, at times, been down lower than others, but we have also witnessed some amazing highs and we have all shared in a somewhat unexpected success as well. And so, this month, we celebrate our collective anniversary birthday... That's where I got it. And I, for one, want to voice a hearty, heartfelt thank you to everyone who has helped us climb this, at one time, seemingly unsurmountable, mountain. But for all of our success, I realize that we have only reached a plateau on this rocky hillside, and our climb is not yet finished. Far from it, in fact. The coming year will no doubt present its own set of obstacles which we must overcome. If we are to continue with our hard-won success, but I am sure that with the continued support of our staff, our contributors, and especially our loyal readers, we will manage to achieve new heights and reach an even higher standard of excellence with our little magazine, The World of Myth. Now, I wasn't supposed to do this, but under the circumstances, I just can't help myself. We have always we always give a general thank you at times like this, but it doesn't really mean very much unless you personally thank the people involved. So, here we go. I want to thank the people who have made this anniversary day possible (laughs) because without them, well, we might still be watching reruns of Gilligan's Island for entertainment instead of busting our humps every month, putting this rag together for all of you out there to enjoy. Okay, so I don't really have the time or space to mention every single person who has ever submitted a piece of artwork, a poem, a story, or who has offered up their precious time to help keep us keep this hungry beast fed and alive every month, not to mention cleaning up after it but I will try and do the best that I can. Our humble appreciation and thanks go out to the shadowy Mythmaster. Yes, he was back there. This is me jumping in here. This is Stephanie jumping in here. He was back even in 2004. The shadowy Mythmaster, in debuting this issue, the creature of myth, moviegoer Grimm, and his new sidekick, Balcony Betty, and Reaper Rick, L. Craig Woods, Caesar F. Castro, Creep Creeperson, Kevin Magnus, Rebecca, the girl of myth, Lofgren, I'm okay, Majika, and L.M. Mercer. And a personal happy birthday goes out to L.M. this month, as well as our new contributors. 
I'm sure I left out one or two others, and if so, I apologize for my omission. Okay, yeah, there is one more person I should perhaps mention, I suppose. A person without whom none of the rest of us would even be named as part of this mighty effort. I speak, of course, of our fearless leader, David K. Montoya. All of this, after all, all of this is, after all, his brainchild, his creation, his rapidly growing creature of the web. Without David at the controls, he who spends days and sometimes weeks preparing everything you see before you every month, changing each little word and comma, every line and letter into an HTML computer language gibberish, so we common mortals can actually read, see, and understand what is put before us. Well, without our captain at the helm, we would have all been sunk long ago. So we give a special thank you to Mr. Montoya for guiding us through the troubled and sometimes turbulent waters of this entire past year. Hang in there, everyone. We still got some traveling to do. All right, I suppose we should move on to more current events. This month, we have pulled out all the stops to bring you a bigger, better issue of the world of myth than ever before. For the first, for the very first time, we managed to bring together the terrible trio of movie reviewers as Grim, Betty, and even Rick conspired to annoy you with their personal opinions regarding what's worth watching at the movies. We have a full slate of poems this month as we present two new poets to our little corner of the universe, along with our regular contributors, Rebecca, L.M., Majika, and Kevin. So, help us welcome to the new poetry corner, Shadow and Poppy. We hope they will return with even more lyrical efforts in the near future. David K. Montoya has really knocked himself out this month, as he answers readers' questions posed to him from last issue in the interview section, and shares with us some of his artwork as well. Yes, did you know David was an artist? David also decided to prepare his own tribute to our first year of survival, so stop by the rekindled commentary section to check that out. Then, since he had so much spare time on his hands, he has presented us with another chapter of The End. And I suppose I should also mention that Mr. Montoya did manage to capture the Member of the Month Award last month. Congratulations, boss. The art gallery is full this month as Rebecca Lofgren offers us a couple of her drawings and MLK, or Mook, I don't know, has returned from his enforced hiatus to share his thoughts on my, hopefully, total health recovery. I myself even attempted to offer up a drawing to celebrate the release of my book, Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night. I don't want to take up any more room than necessary to hawk my book, so I have entered pertinent information in a Dream of Darkness FYI section, which you may find at the lower left of this page. Our new fan fiction section is up now, but unfortunately, it is empty, since no one bothered to send in any submissions this past month. A large number of readers voted to open up this section, and we would very much like to keep it open, but we obviously cannot do that if we have nothing to present to our readers. So, think about it, you guys. If you have any fan fiction stories out there that you want to share with our readers, send them in before it's too late. Even if it's not your very best effort, even if you're not sure if it's good enough, send it in anyway. We can work on it with you. That's what they pay me the big bucks for. Oh, wait. Well, wait a minute. Damn. Well, send it in anyway, and we'll work something out. Stop by and see what's new in the movie trailer section. They are changed and updated on a regular basis. And let's not forget the stories. Along with the end, L.M. Mercer 
presents another chapter of the Greenhouse Murders, and I myself finally felt well enough to offer up a story for your hopeful enjoyment, one which also deals, in a manner of speaking, with my recent illness, Dead and Ferried. So that should keep everyone busy for a while. On a final note, I would like to thank all of the readers who voted for the Member of the Year last month. I also want to thank those who voted for me, since it seems I am now the World of Myths' first Member of the Year. We have seen a lot of talent flow through these pages this past year, and I am honored to have been to have picked been picked as one of the top members who have contributed to this effort. True, not everyone voted for me, but that just proves that the fan base is spread out, covering just about all of us. But we live in a democracy, and whoever has the most friends wins. So thank you for all your support, and we hope you continue to stop by and see what we have to offer during year two of the World of Myth. Enjoy. Terry D. Shearer, Editor-in-Chief. That was the anniversary intro for year one. And here we're sitting at year 15 with incredible stories and poetry and artwork with reviews. And a lot of what Terry said at the beginning of his intro about the highs and the lows and... and, um, the things that some of us have had to endure that have been harder than some of the things that others have had to endure. Some of us have had very rough time. Um, I know many of the core originals and past people that contributed to the magazine have had roads that I couldn't even begin to imagine what would be like to travel. And here we sit, 15 years later, with a magazine just as incredible, if not more so, than it was back then. Now, that being said, Terry mentioned our fearless leader. And about... Oh, two months ago, about a month ago, I received an email from a very close longtime friend of our fearless leader, Dave. And he wanted to do something that would show Dave just how much we all really do respect, appreciate, and are grateful for everything that he does for our magazine. As Terry said, back in 2004, Dave coded everything, every word, every line, every comma, every space had to be coded by hand with the HTML coding. He still does that today. So Alan, Alan Russo came up with, yeah, I called you out, dude. <laughs> came up with the idea of having our contributors send messages for Dave that would be read or played on the podcast. Well, Dave, here you go. Now, everybody was given the choice that they could um, respond with their name and and who they were and, and when the years that they were here or 
just put anonymous and life is busy. I get that. So I've got probably about 30 or 40. Uh, I'd say, hang on, give me one second. 42 anonymous and they run the gamut. So this is for you, Dave, because I kind of, I, I've done a, a sheet. Congratulations. Well done. Holy shit. Can't believe you did it. All anonymous. Lots of congratulations. Way to go. Keep it up. All of that kind of stuff. 42 anonymous. Now, now, moving along to the ones that were not anonymous. And Dave, if you'll recall, I mentioned to you, um, it was about two weeks ago, a week ago, that I had given a special task to my assistant, Kevin Adams. And his task was to help me gather these messages. And so, yeah, Kevin is, is partly to blame as well. Yes, I'm throwing Alan and Kevin under the bus because if this backfires on me, I am not going down alone. So we're now going to start in with the ones that were not anonymous. And this one is from Kevin for Dave's surprise. <laughs> Congratulations on 15 years of providing a place where all us misfits can hang out. It has always been, it has always been in, wow, dude. Oh, there's the rest of the email. Okay. Really small screen. Bear with me. It has always been an honor to be a part of trying to help this entity grow. And I will always hold a special place in my heart for it. Regards, Kevin. And of course, you know, you can't have Kevin without the Mythmaster. The Mythmaster refused to be upstaged by Kevin. So, this is from the Mythmaster. As soon as it plays, hold on. I did, I sort of prepared for this, but I figured I could, you know, do what I usually do. Hello, Dave. All right. Hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on. Oh, Mythmaster, shush, almost shush, as long as you shush. Okay. Let's start that again, shall we? Hello, Dave. Well, I've been here almost as long as you have. And I've enjoyed torturing every artist and every writer you've ever sent. You've never questioned my methods or my morals, which makes me wonder which one of us is more evil. <laughs> I'd like to wish you a very happy congratulations on 15 years. 
And until next time, this is the Mythmaster. <laughs> He's coming for you. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. <laughs> And there you have it. That was the Mythmaster. And it kind of does make you wonder because he does kind of torture people for days in entertainment. But anyway, so that's congrats for Dave from the Mythmaster. Now we have another one. Oh, wait, did we do that one? Oh, wait, did that one already. Why is it not just going now? Okay. This. is from Steve Bolin. Congratulations. And this one is from... Okay. The World of Myth is one of my favorite literary magazines, and that's because of David Montoya. He treats his authors with respect, publishes when he says he will, and his site is easy to navigate. Congratulations, David. I am proud to be published with you. I wish you continued success. DC Diamondopolis. Next one. David, thank you for helping writers like I who found... Thank you, Dave. Thank you. For helping writers like I have found a place to develop, explore, and gain confidence. And thank you for being an amazing person, too. You've always been good to me, as I know you are with others from the magazine. Keep fighting the good fight. Thanks, Michael. Michael A. Arnold, by the way. And this one. Nope, I just read that one. Mike Lutz says, congratulations. Okay. This is from Molly E. Hamilton. Dave, you're a man of vision, zeal, and dedication. I haven't known you for long, but I'm already aware of many of your prominent accomplishments. Here's a few that come to mind instantly. You saved the world of Myth Magazine. You achieve Achieved and maintain your fitness goal. You choose to be a great dad day by day. And you keep writing prolifically despite life trying to dry up your ink pen. I wish you the best of luck in your continued journeys. I know you'll find success along the way. Proud to know you, Molly. There you go. So... I'm going to compile all of that for you and I will send them all with all of the anonymous as well so that you, Dave, can keep it somewhere, tucked away or, you know, do what you want with it. And yeah, know that you are noticed, you are respected, you are appreciated for everything that you do. You give us a home. You give us a place where we can create and 
we can laugh. And sometimes we can laugh at ourselves. We can experiment with different ways of writing and doing things in a different way. Um, you show us respect. You show us appreciation. And we wanted to show it back to you. Okay, so enough of this mushy crap. All that's over and done with. Happy anniversary day. <laughs> Happy anniversary, World of Myth. I couldn't be prouder to be a part of this magazine. Um, when I started about 15 months ago, I didn't know Dave. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know Kevin. I didn't know the Mythmaster. Um, I didn't know anybody. I knew Mike, who was the current editor at the time. I knew Mike. That was it. And Mike encouraged me to submit a short story. And I did. And my life changed from that moment on. I became a published author. I had a story out there, published, in a magazine. And then it went to another story, and another story, and another story. And here I am, several stories later. Of course, they're all linked because it's just one great big story, but I have a book published that I couldn't be prouder of. I have several stories, a series published. I have works in anthologies. I have been offered opportunities because of the opportunities that I have been given um, through the world of myth. I'm now editor-in-chief of the World of Myth, and it it is my literary home. It will always be my literary home. It will always be where my heart is, because it's where I started. And you don't forget that. Okay, so I have been going on for 25 minutes now. Um, let's get into this. Let's do this, shall we? Because, oh, right, right. Okay, so I have two announcements. Um, first one is congratulations to Stephen Bruce for being member of the month for last month. Um, you can listen to his podcast. I think it is on the uh, member of the month. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. I'll tell you if it's up. Do, 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 do. And if you notice, if you look at the member of the month where you click where it says more, it'll take you to all of them. And you can see and listen to all of them. Um, do, 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 do. Yep, Stephen Bruce's is up. So you can go and listen to his member of the month podcast done by... Um, Oh, brain fart, Rob. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> okay, so congratulations, Stephen. Now, if you notice, we didn't have an article of the month. I did not choose a story or a poem um, to be article of the month because we had to announce 
the winner of the Open Contract Challenge. And that winner is... Do drum roll. Cause, uh, well, half-assed drum roll because you already all know. It's Melissa Ridley-Elms. Congratulations, Melissa. Um, wonderful job. And I seriously, like you said on Facebook, I really, really look forward to meeting you in person at PCE in February. And congratulations, Jeff, for coming in second place. And to Walter for coming in third. Walter did come in third rate. I hope so. Um, I look forward to meeting you, Jeff. And Walter, if you can make it to PCE, that would be fantastic, too. Uh, congratulations! Woo! Yay! The thrill of having a book, even having an ebook on the market. It's just, you're going to be a published author. How freaking awesome is that? Congratulations. Okay, so, here we go. Now, you're going to have to bear with me because there were a lot of stories, so it may take me a minute to refresh my, my memory as I look each one over, um, and I may break this podcast up into two parts. I'm not sure yet, but we'll see. As long as I have it to Dave by 3 a.m. my time, you'll get it on Monday, tomorrow. There you go. Okay, so first story in our fantasy section is A Midwinter's Meal by our Open Contract Challenge winner, Melissa Ridley-Elms. Now, I do believe this one is about the girl and the fire dragon. Yes, the fire drake. Um, That was incredible. I really enjoyed that. I liked how instead of the, the fire drake talking with words you knew that it was more of a thought that, that that he was sending to her, that she was hearing what he was saying in her head. And then she would reply out loud with words. Um, so they were having a conversation. But to anybody passing by, you knew it was just a one-sided conversation. And, I mean, you're thinking this girl is, is, is looking after this fire drake and helping this fire drake. I mean, she, obviously she cooked him his dinner. But boy, let me tell you, you got to read that story because there's twist. And I've noticed a lot of Melissa's stuff. She takes your hand and she leads you down a particular path. And you think you know what's going on. You think you know what's going to happen. And then she turns a corner and lets go of your hand. And you're looking around going, this is not, no way. What? Holy. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She's really, really good at making you think you're going in a particular direction and then doing a complete 180. So you've got to read. I really enjoyed um, A Midwinter's Meal. And I do want to mention as well, please go to the current, the 2019 version, comment on the stories um, if you voted on the retro side, that's fine, but put up your comments on the 2019 version so that our writers know that you liked the story, what, what you liked about the story. So, okay. So that is a Midwinter's Meal by Melissa Ridley-Elms. 
I highly recommend it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I loved, loved, loved. I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to have a favorite story, but I really, really, really enjoyed this take on Snow White. It's called A Vampire White as Snow by Molly E. Hamilton. And let me tell you, this is a complete twist on the Snow White tale and the Wicked Stepmother um, and the Apple. But when you're reading it and you think back to how they described Snow White in the fairy tale with skin as pale as snow, lips blood red, it makes so much sense. It was well written. It it kept your interest through the entire story because you're like, well, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? And then you start getting to the parts with the iron and you're thinking, okay, so this is how it's going to end. And uh, another one, uh, nope, not what you think. So A Vampire White as Snow by Molly E. Hamilton. Um, yeah, best version of that fairy tale I have read to date. And I've read a variety of versions of the Snow White fairy tale. And this one has to be my favorite out of all the ones that I've read. Okay, so moving along. Okay, then we have Out of the Blue by Copper Rose. This one, um, I don't know why it did, but it touched the emo emotion in me. It, it evoked, I mean, with the color, you have the colors of emotion like you have the colors of compassion and you have the colors of um touch and and things like that and it, it almost reminded me of um when people say they can see auras and they see a person's aura and then you know she's she's leaking blue well, what does that mean? And then you, you, the, you're thinking, just, oh, it, I'm sorry. I, I got sucked into it. I'm, I'm talking to you about it as I'm refreshing my memory on the story and I'm reading it. And it, yeah, it's a heartbreaking, for me, it was. I, I found it, um, it was an emotional story for me to read. I, I was like when they're talking about the train, you know, transfuse now and, and she's leaking the blue and you're thinking, Oh my God, what's going on? Um, and then like two lines later, you're breathing again. <laughs> Cause it's like, okay. Thank goodness. But yeah, out of the blue by Copper Rose. And she always brings great stories to the table. She always does. And this one is no different. Um, I've really enjoyed it. So I'm trying not to, um, cause I know Dave has to remove all of them. Yeah. Out of the blue, Copper Rose, 
you know, dragons. <laughs> dragons. Dragons. <laughs> but, yeah. I love anything with dragons. But it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I really, really did. Okay. Now, this one, it was definitely a fantasy, but I almost put it in humor because it made me laugh. It was really, really well written. I loved the attitude. Um, okay, I guess I suppose I should tell you what the story is. It is The Dreadlord Marrowbones Pummel by Walter G. Esselman. And I, I loved the way it was written. I loved um, Lord Marrowbone's personality, his his dry, witty sarcasm that he has. Um, like when the knight goes to to kill him with the oh, what is that sword called? So a sword of midnight. I just the, the attitude, you know, cooked knight over here. The, the dry, witty sarcasm. I loved it. And then you get to the end of the story, because you're wondering all the way through um, what's going to happen to this dog. And you're thinking, you, you're, you're, I know, at least I was thinking, it's going to be lunch. It has to be. It's going to be a snack. It really, really is. And you get to the end of the story, and you're like, oh, well, shit. Pardon my French. Sorry about that. But, yeah, you're not expecting that, and... It's, it makes you, it's, it's got a really feel good ending, but it also kind of leaves you going, uh, well, he says it's, he says that, but does she? <laughs> hmm. Um, and for me, a story that makes you think, well, what if is, is one that is really, really good. I really enjoy it. So, well done, Walter. I really, 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 really loved your story. The Dreadlord's Dreadlord Marrowbones Pummel. It was funny. It was good. It was, yeah. I do want to know what happens to that dog, though. Just saying. Okay. And then we have my story, which is the next installment. Um, there hasn't been one for a couple of months and in this installment, you learn how, um, you find out that Ren is basically, Rendall is basically immortal. And he has been around since the beginning. And you find out the elders created this entire problem. It all started with Rendall. The need for the Huntress. The need for the Divine Keeper, the need for the warrior, were all created because of one mistake made by the elders. And you also find out that Celeste and Merrick have been around a lot longer than it originally appeared and a lot longer than they seemed to think. And again, the elders are not those benevolent, helpful beings that you think they are. So, anyway, that's my um, contribution 
to the magazine this month. It's called Creation by me, Stephanie Bardi. Then we have The Executioner's Wife by Mark Kodama. Now, this one, um, I'm reading it, and it was almost, as I'm reading it, I felt like I was actually sitting with this woman as she was telling this, this tale, this story. And it, it did make me wonder if this was an actual conversation that Mark had had with somebody because the descriptions and the emotions and the, the tale that this woman is telling about her father and her life and the things that, um, had happened felt so real. Like, but yeah, I felt like I was sitting right there with her as she told the story and all the parts of the story, Juan Carlos, all the parts. And you get to the end and it's like, Oh wait, what? Oh, what? No. Is that again? Another story where you like, that's not the end. That can't be the end. Um, but yeah, Commander Zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent story, Mark. As always, I really enjoyed it. It, it didn't feel like a story. It felt like a conversation. It felt like I was sitting, um, you know, you're, the, the seats at an airport are kind of back to back. And I felt like I was sitting with my back to this couple behind me that were having this discussion. And that's, that's what it felt like to me. Good story. I really enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> Oshin and Neve. Oshin and Neve. Anybody who knows me knows I'm Irish. And I am all about anything Irish. Especially when it deals with um, fantasy. And uh, magic and the fairy folk and Oshin and Neve, which uh, it's it's spelt O I S I N and N. I can never. I always get the A and the I mixed up. N I A M N, but it is pronounced Oshin and Neve or Niev. The Irish can't. Yeah, we're drunk. They are not pronounced the way they're spelled, which is why Gaelic is so hard to learn. Anyway, it is a really good story. It is a wonderful fairy tale that is not, is based not entirely in all a fairy tale. Michael does do his research. I will tell you that. It's, you will enjoy it. It's, it's a love story. It really is. It's a love story. There's no other way to put it. But it doesn't feel like the sappy, romantic, what you would expect love story. It's, it's fantasy. And it made me cry. It made me cry. Oshin made me cry. Thanks, Michael. Way to go. Um, 
But anyway, yes, I, I really enjoyed it. I suggest you read it. And I suggest you look up some of the things in the story just for sh- the hell of it. Because it, it's interesting. And um, it, you, you will have a deeper appreciation for the story. Look up Oshin. Look up Niev. Find out who they are, what they are, who they were. And you will have a deeper appreciation for the story. Um, because if you don't know who they are, it's just a story. But it's really, really good. I mean, it's a really, really good story, even if you don't know who they are. So, check it out. Okay. Now we have The Rising Part 4. And I must say... You know, Jeff, you told me you were going to get me to love the rest of the characters, but Draven's still my favorite. Draven's still my favorite. Especially after, you know, his smart-ass comment about the dwarf. (laughs) He was still in one piece, but yeah. I love that. Nobody tackles a dwarf. But yeah, I still love Draven. And... It is really starting to pick up the pace. Things are really starting to get interesting. And um, they're starting to get themselves into a little bit of trouble. And it's it's not going to be long before things are going to get ugly, I have a feeling. Um, and I mean, these are good friends. These are good people, these four. They're funny, and um, but they have good hearts. Like, they help bury the survivors of the caravan. They, they, they're, they're helping the, not bury the survivors. They help the survivors of the caravan bury the dead. Can't bury survivors. Good grief. Anyway, um, The Rising. Jeff R. Young's The Rising, Part 4. I am looking forward to Part 5. Because, like I said, it's really starting to pick up the pace. Draven, still my favorite. Although, Gwent is starting to creep up there. I like him, too. I like Gwent, too. Okay. Moving on. Now we have The Missing Unicorn in the Land of the Zombie Fairies, Part 5. I have to refresh, so give me a second. Oh, that's right! That's right! The story finds us actually in... The girls are actually in the void, in Swampland. Swampland ate them, and they're in there. And they have to figure out how to get out and what's going to happen. Um, I love that they use Marco Polo to find themselves because that's a, that's a game from when I was a kid. We used to play that all the time. But the fact that Swamp World is a living entity has a, a consciousness and can communicate with Emma. Um, yeah, it's starting to get it for a children's story. I'm sucked right in. So, yeah, kind of 
pretty much sure. Yeah, and they got, yeah, we're still not out of Swamp World yet, so. But they are alive, because last part left us, they were being eaten by the ground. Swamp World. So we, we do know that they are still alive, and they are okay, and they do all end up together. So, yeah, check out The Missing Unicorn in the Land of the Zombie Fairies, Part 5. I still haven't made it to the Zombie Fairies yet. Okay. So that takes care of our fantasy section. We are now moving on to horror. Okay, so horror. We're starting with Grafting by Stephen Bruce. This one freaked me out. I'm not going to lie at all. Um, when I first started reading it, I thought it was going to have a medieval feel to it um but it's not it's very modern day and it just i mean you're reading along and you're thinking okay why is this in the horror section why is this in the horror section it's kind of creepy but yeah it's you get you have to get to almost the end of the story and then it's like wham it's all over from there it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I can't read these before I go to bed, so I have to edit these in the afternoon, and I'm doing this at 1130 at night, and yeah, this one's going to give me nightmares again. Stephen Bruce knows how to write scary, and grafting has got it in spades. Yep, scared the crap out of me. Way to go, Stephen. Okay, then we have Lost in an Endless Night by Patrick Quinn. This one, um, it, it scared me. Like, being trapped anywhere that you can't get out of, in a cave, in a tunnel, underground, in a, a tomb, a tomb is enough is I'm done. I'm done. No. Mm -mm. So I was already having a mild reader's panic, panic attack at the beginning of the story that didn't improve. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't have the, I'm feeling like I'm being suffocated feeling as the story went on because, you know, obviously he got out of there, but it really, this one really messes with your head. Like you, it leaves you, you thinking and scratching and going, Oh, I don't know about that. Um, and as, as he's going up the hill and he's following, following the striations up the hill, I'm screaming in my head, get back in your car. Stop it. Don't do it. You do not need to know what's over top of that. Just stop. And he doesn't. And yeah. So you have to, I suggest you go and you read Lost in an Endless Night, Part 1, by Patrick Quinn. And be ready for Part 2 next month. All right. Now we have Statue of Rebecca, Statue Rebecca by Tom Fowler. Now, a few issues back... Tom submitted a story um, 
the statue of Rebecca Lane. This is the sequel to the statue of Rebecca Lane by Tom Fowler. And it gives you the history of the statue, what has transpired with the statue, who has owned it, what has happened when they've owned it, and what is up with the statue. And it makes, it'll make you wonder. You'll, you'll look at a marble statue and you'll wonder, hmm. Oh, sorry, just repositioning because we've been at this for almost an hour now. And we're not even halfway through. And I love how he does the afterword. And I mean, the statue has a life. It has. A, I honestly, I think the statue has an agenda. I really, really do. And he ends the story with end and a question mark. So I'm wondering if down the line we are going to find out what this statue's agenda is. Is it cursed? Has it, does it have magical powers? Does it, I mean, obviously it emanates evil. I mean, that's just my opinion. It emanates evil. But I'm looking forward to finding out what is going on with this statue. Statue Rebecca by Tom Fowler. Now we are moving on. Oh, no, we're not. Back over to horror. Oh, I tried. Okay. Soulless by Steve Carr. Now, Steve never, ever, ever fails to write something that is going to send shivers down your spine. If he's writing a horror, you know it's going to be a good one. And it was a good one. It was not what I had expected um, when it said soulless. I mean, the first thing you do, it, you think vampire or demon or, you know, something along those lines. But, yeah, you've got to read Soulless by Steve Carr. It's a very... Um, Subtle horror story. Very subtle horror story. Like, it, it kind of creeps up on you and, and you find yourself getting that feeling in your spine like somebody's watching you. So. Great story by Steve Carr. Solace. Okay. Now we have In the Next Room by Tom Fowler. Hmm. This is the one that I think it is. What in the go? Yay! Sorry, my pop-up blocker just 
gave me a bronze shield for blocking a thousand pop-ups. Not that there's any pop-ups on ours. What it's blocking is the banner across the top um, for Steve's jerky. But anyway, so In the Next Room by Tom Fowler. I, okay, it was bizarre. It was like a Benjamin Button in reverse. Um, it was, yeah, I, I, see, death is something, and getting old is something that I fear greatly. I do not want to grow older. Every wrinkle that I see sends me into a panic. Um, and this fed that fear. I, I will, I will tell you flat out, this fed that fear. Um, that and the fear of pure evil coming face to face with pure evil. That touches on all of it. This story touches on all of that. Everything that you could be afraid of and not realize that you're afraid of, it's all there. Mm. Yes, it is. In the next room, Tom Fowler. The story might have to sit in the next room. Okay. Action and suspense. We have Tops by DC Diamondopolis. And when I, when you hear taps, you think military taps. So I was thinking this is going to be a military story. Oh boy, was I wrong. I was so wrong. Um, and you're reading it and you're thinking that as I'm reading it, I'm thinking something has happened to the wife, to the children, to the father. And the only ones that are left are Gabe and, um, what was his brother's name? Peter. And when you, you get to the end of it and you realize that that's not what happened at all. And that, that one line, that one line, um, let me see if I can find it, ties the title of it all in perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Um, the distant wail of his mother's voice reminded him of the way Gabe faded the final notes of Taps. He's looking for his parents and his family all the way through. And when you get to the end, it's like, oh, oh, crap. Another well-done, well-written story by DC Diamondopolis. I really enjoyed it. It's called Taps, and it's in the action suspense. Okay, so now we have Liberty's Call. Part five. Thank you, Walter. <laughs> I did not want to see Liberty gone. I did not want to see her adventures over in part four. I'm glad there is a part five because Liberty is, I mean, she's not, she's a woman. She doesn't say much, but she is a strong character. Even though she doesn't do a lot of talking, she doesn't need to. She's a strong character. She takes charge when she needs to. She lets others take charge when they 
are better equipped to deal with what's going on around them. Um, she cares. She cares. Especially about Colin. Like, she's really trying to almost raise Colin, mother Colin, in a way. But she's trying to stay distant from him, too. You can tell that she's trying to stay distant from him. Like, she treats him like a crew member, but she makes him go do his homework, too. So, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. And made me very happy when I got to the end of editing this story to see continued in November 2019. So, yay! We're not done with Liberty yet. Thank you, Walter. Okay. Through the Eyes of Madness, Part 21, by David K. Montoya. Okay. Now, because he writes a lot more than what you guys get to read, I have to refresh. Because I edit the entire thing. And then he cuts it down and puts it, we put it on the, the thing. Ah, yes. This is Jack's origin story. You find out who Jack's mother is and um, it kind of throws a twist into the entire thing. I, I had no clue. No clue. I mean, no, I had no clue. I, I didn't pick up on the signs at all. And once I found out, I went back and I reread everything. All 20 parts. I reread them all. And when I started coming across the clues that give the indications as to who Jack's mother really is, like, oh my God, as if I didn't see that. As if I didn't catch that. Because they're there. They're there. You just have to pay attention. So, yeah. It's, it's an excellent, um, installment and the ending just completely blew my mind who Jack's mother actually is. So now it's got you thinking, okay, so what happened to the child of, um, April and the priest? Because if you remember, April and the priest were high school sweethearts and April got pregnant and there was that whole, they took the baby up for adoption and you know, he had to go into the priesthood as part of the deal. So, mm-hmm. things are getting into, well, they've been interesting, but they're starting to get a little more interesting. I think it's, it's starting to wrap up. Okay. Over in sci-fi, we have a new contributor, Ezekiel T, or a.k.a. El Shecky, and this is called Safe. Again, this is another one that I wanted to actually kind of almost put over into humor, just for the simple fact that it made me laugh. And not because it was written humorously or anything, but because he chose a political 
hotbed, basically. It, it's a hot topic. It's a, a hot button topic. Um, and turned it into a really good story, for one. But it just, it made me, it made, yeah, it made me giggle. Um, if you like zombies, you like zombie stories, you're going to like this one. But I want you, even if you don't, I want you to read it anyway. Because there is a rather um, ironic, but oddly, almost believable reason for the zombies, how the zombies are created. So I suggest you go and you read that story and you comment. And yeah, so it's really, I liked it. Thank you, Ezekiel T. Um, please contribute again. I enjoyed that. Welcome to the world of myth. And then we have another newcomer, Sean Klimek, and his story, An Exchanged, An Exchanged Man. This one, oh my gosh, it was so cool. I, I'm hoping that one day, I mean, I always wondered about alternate universes and parallel universes and, um, the future and the present running concurrently and this story just ticked off all those boxes for me every single one of them um and the fact that i mean he explains it so well the weems frequency and all of that just it, it sorry i just spaced out there for a minute um i really enjoyed it and i almost hope that that could be true someday. You know, get me some Jacques Daniels. <laughs> okay, so that is um, An Exchanged Man by Sean Klinick. Well done. I really enjoyed it. And I suggest you read it. And you will enjoy it too. You really will. Okay, now we have Gertrude by Gabriella Balcom. And this is, this one was a tough one for me to read. Um, just because it deals with the issue of Alzheimer's. But, um, it was a good read overall. I enjoyed it. It was very sci-fi. And with all the stuff going on right now around Area 51 and all of that, it was kind of nice to see a fiction story come out of that. Um, and, and make the, 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 kind of take some of the, could it be real? And, and make it real. And I do have to say, Gabriella, I have never in all my years of reading and editing and writing ever seen somebody use Jumpin' Jehoshaphat in a story. I loved it because I say that all the time. So yeah, that made me, that, that made me snork. I giggled on that. 
Um, but well done. I really enjoyed Gertrude. And I suggest you read it by Gabriella Balcon. And then we have Luke Spoon by John David Hanna. And he's, he's stuck in space. Um, he's not alone. But it is the definition of a sci-fi story. They are in space. There are robots. And it, it, it'll get you thinking. Um, it'll get you wondering about what it would be like to be in a spaceship in space for such a long period of time. Um, and with the robots as well, like everything nowadays is animated and electronic and controlled through apps and Bluetooth and this and that and everything else. And what happens when they all rebel? So that's Luke's Moon, John David Hanna. Now moving on to Edwina by Gabriella Balcom. This is definitely no doubt about it, alien story. And it was one that kind of made me sit back and go, oh, that's possible. Because she makes the suggestion of what she's saying seem very plausible. Like, I don't want to give too much away. But after you read this story, you're going to be looking at your neighbor's you're going to be looking at the kid at the checkout counter at the grocery store. You're going to be looking at, you know, the little family walking by, mom, dad, nuclear family, 2.4 kids, picket fence dog, looking at them going, mm, are you hybrids? What's going on? Um, but it was also very sad. The story was also very sad in a way that because they were different. They had no rights. They were treated like science experiments just because they were different. And that says a lot about society as well. So that is Edwina by Gabriella Falcon. Now we have Touched by Don DeBrail. Oh, good old Jeb and his cows. Yeah. I remember this one. All right, you need to read this one. Um, you might not want hamburger after. But again, another true blue alien story. Um, but it's not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you think it's going in one direction. Again, it's one of those stories that you think is going in one direction and you're worried about Leona. You're wondering what's going to happen to her and you're hoping that her daddy rescues her and, and can get them out of there. And then when she comes, when they go looking for her mom, it's like, oh, wait a minute. So that's, that's what's going on. Okay. And yeah, so the ending of the story is definitely not what you're expecting as you're reading it. Okay, moving on to humor now. We have Wool of Time Part 2, The House the Cat Sat In by Melissa Small. And just so you know, 
she's writing these stories from D&D adventure campaigns that her and her friends are playing. So it lets you know the level of creativity that she has, that she is able to take their campaign and turn it into a story. Um, I can tell you the next time I go to a restaurant, I'm going to be looking at the chair sideways because I'm not going to get eaten by a chair. Furniture is not going to be chewing me up. Uh, not happening. And I'm not being, yeah, attacked by mops and, and brooms. If mops and brooms want to start moving around my house, they better be, they best be cleaning. Um, so we meet all of our characters again in, in this one that were in the Wall of Time. They're all still together. They're all still relatively in one piece. And this is their next adventure. And the stupid druid cat is not very helpful. Not very helpful at all. And then in humor, we have Editor's Lament. And let me tell you, as much as I loved this story, um, I, it made me twitch, Kevin. It's by Kevin Adams. And it made me twitch because I wanted to correct it. I wanted to fix it. But that wasn't the point of the story. And that's what makes it so funny. So you have to go in and read. You have to, have to, have to. I'm telling you, you have to. Don't make me read it to you. Editor's Lament by Kevin Adams. And you will know my pain. But I do have to say, all of our contributors, um, be it short story or poetry, the editing is fairly easy. Yeah, it's a capital letter here, punctuation there, um, T, changing T-E-H to T-H-E, stuff like that. It's very, very easy to edit everything that comes through. So I thank you all for that. Um, most of it is just looking for italicized words so I can put the proper brackets around them so that when Dave's coding, it catches them. Okay, so that takes care of our story section. Yay! We are now at the one hour, 15 minute mark and we are heading into poetry. Poetry. Okay, so... Our first poem on the block is Modern Problems Without Modern Solutions by Rebecca Illich. This broke my heart. This one absolutely broke my heart. I, I cried because I know women that can't have kids. I know the pain that they go through, um, the trying and the hoping and the disappointment month after month after month. And then the final resignation where they, they just give up. And I've seen the pain on my close friend's face when she sees all the April fool's posts, um, you know, Oh, I'm pregnant. Ah, April fool's because she would give anything she could to be able to say, I'm pregnant. So this poem, um, and being a woman, 
it, yeah, it broke my heart. I'm not going to lie. It really did. And, and, and that's what poetry, that's what writing is supposed to do. It's supposed to evoke, invoke an emotion. And it did. Well done, Rebecca. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And before I get all weepy on you. Okay. Then we have Poet by Welkin Siskin. And it is what it says it is. It describes a poet. It was well done. I enjoyed it. He has a way with, with words. Um, yeah, poet. Welkin Siskin. And then there is a newcomer, Pina Leyland, and her poem, 2020. And it made me think. It scared me. It really did. It scared me. Um, because you, you look at what's going on in the world today, and we're destroying it. We're destroying ourselves. So that is 2020 by Pina Leyland. Then we have Field of Blood by another newcomer, and Christina Tabaka. And again, another one that evokes, invokes strong emotion. And, and a lot of the, the emotion that it is invoking, that it, it's bringing up is fear and un, fear of the unknown of what the future is going to be like. What are we doing to our world? What are we doing to the environment and all the things around us. And as I'm, I'm at the age now where I'm starting to have grand, well, I'm not having grandchildren, but my children are starting to have children. It, it makes me wonder what's going to be left and what are the people that are going to be here be like? So yeah, fields of blood by Anne Christine Tabaka. Then we have um, Love Bites, Love Bites in the Dark by another newcomer, Laura Hughes. And it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. It's, it's one that will invoke an emotion. It won't be fear. It won't be sadness. It's, it's passion, it's desire, it is, gets the blood pumping and flowing and creates a flush in all the right places. It, yeah, well done. It's a very erotic poem and I enjoyed it. I like poetry like that. Um, I like writing poetry like that and I, I really enjoyed this one. Thank you, Laura. And now we have My Addiction by Narisha Kamraj, another newcomer. If I've mispronounced your name, I'm terribly sorry. Shoot me an email. Spell it phonetically so that I know how to spell it. And this is another one that is um, sensual and beautiful. Um, and you can really... A, a person 
their their touch, their smell, their taste can be your addiction, your obsession. And it's it happens. And she has written the poem that makes that beautiful. Then we have Gone Crazy by Jeff R. Young. Hope you haven't gone crazy, Jeff. This one is angry. Anger is the emotion that it invokes for me. And I I get it. I understand it. I can relate to it. And I have felt that way. We've all, I'm pretty sure, we've all felt that way. So, gone crazy. Jeff R. Young, well done. Ah, life. Dash five or V. Take a pick. By Kevin Magnus. Or Ever Ramos. And he writes a poem talking about how he's feeling 15 years later. You know, he's still here. He's lost a lot, but he's he's still here. Um, yeah, thanks for sticking around, Kev. 15 years you've been here. Then we have um, Epic, Every Person is Creative by Randolph R. Lofgren. And I love how he takes each letter of epic and gives it meaning, gives it um, a purpose. Every person is creative. And it's true. Every person is creative, no matter what it is. Painting, telling a story, making somebody feel better. Finding ways to make somebody laugh. Every person is creative. Well done, Randolph. Randy, I really enjoyed that one. Thank you. Then we have Asphyxiation by Nerisha Kamraj again. And this one is more um, almost story-like. I think it's called a drabble. Then it is a poem. And it's... It, brings that fear of what we're doing to our earth, to our trees, to what provides us with oxygen. Okay. And we have Always by Christopher Bice. And Chris, if you're listening to this, I want you to know that reference that I made to the person never submitting in my intro I was referring to you. Wanted to let you know that. Um, okay, so Always by Christopher Bice. And it's one that is told in, in a poem, but a conversation from one person to another. And it's a sad conversation. And it's, it's, It'll invoke um, feelings of loss. And if you've lost somebody that you love, this poem will create, it will invoke those emotions in you. It will, it will um, give you a reason to cry. 
and it's good. It's good. I'm not telling you that this is a bad thing. It's good that it, it brings up those emotions. It was a beautiful poem. I enjoyed it. Okay. Now we are on My Joy by Kevin Adams. And if you'll notice at the bottom of Kevin's poem, there is this really, really pretty big finned orange car. And that is what this poem is all about. It almost looks like the car is bigger than the house. But that's what this poem is all about. Is That is Kevin's joy, is that car. And he writes the poem all about the love affair he's having with that car. It's a good thing his wife is very understanding. Now we have Wicked Resuscitation by Thomas McDade. And again, it's it's told in story fashion, uh, but it is a poem. And it, it, it evokes... For me, it was, it was memories of the past and of icky things you're afraid of, things that make you squeamish and, and yeah. So Wicked Resuscitation by Thomas McDade. I enjoyed that one. I enjoy all of them. Now we have The Reaper's Call by Laura Hughes. Now she goes from a sensuous, erotic poem to facing death in this one. And as we know, death, I don't do. It scares the hell out of me. So it's, it's really nice to see the two different, um, places on the spectrum of emotion that she can place you in. I really enjoyed this, the Reaper's Call, because everybody fears the Reaper's Call, even though, you know, Blue Eyes Cult Coast, you don't fear the Reaper. But yeah, everybody fears the Reaper's Call. And then we have another one by Welkin Siskin called Writer. And in this one, he describes what it is to be, what it, what a writer is what we do, how we, we create. And he does it in words that aren't plain, that don't say, this is how we create. We try to have it done by the date, but no, he doesn't do that. Um, and he does it in a visually creative way as well. So that's Writer by Welkin Siskin. And last, but certainly not least, in any stretch of the imagination, for our written portion of the 15th anniversary World of Myth magazine, we have chapter 8 of the epic poem Mex The Prince of Mexico City by Mark Kodama. And this one goes into more of the history uh, with Cortez and the Spaniards um, what Montezuma was doing and the Aztecs, a lot of words I can't pronounce. 
so I'm not going to butcher them. And I do hope once all the chapters have been posted that you will take the time and you will go back and you will read them one after the other in a continuous way because that is really the best way to read this poem. While this is good and you are getting a bit of it every month, um, the best way to read it is all in one shot. But it is a really, really good poem. And I have actually learned a lot of, of Mayan history and Aztec history through this poem. Okay, so that is it for the written portion of our magazine. We are now going to jump over to the art gallery. And we have... Now, last month... Or, sorry, not last month, because we didn't do one in August. In July, Megan Hamilton wrote a story called Dr. Spiro's Cure. This picture, Don't Cry George, if you've read the story, you'll remember who George is. This picture was created to go with that story. And if you click on the top of the page, a visual interpretation of Dr. Spiro's cure, it will take you to the story so that you can read it. Um, the, just the fact that, that he's wearing this shirt that says property of Dr. Spiro breaks my heart. It's not the expression on their faces. It's the fact that he is viewed as a piece of property and not as a child, as a human being. Um, yeah. And you can see the shadow of Dr. Spiro in the background watching, making sure that his plans are carried out the way they're supposed to be. Okay. And then we have Event Horizon by Christopher Harris, which is the picture that is on the cover of this month's magazine. And I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I love the skull. I love all the blank space with just the black and white penciling. It, it really brings the contrast to the sky that around it and all the colors and the abstractness of the clouds in the sky. Um, and then you have these sharp lines and the blacks on the, the, the whites and no color. It's very drastic. So that is Event Horizon by Christopher Harris. And I'm by no means an art critic or an art student. So now we have a newcomer, Danny E. Marshall, Denny E. Marshall and his Forest Gremlin Green. And I just, I, I really, I thought he was very cute. Very colorful, very green, and it's it's very um, though to me the the light greens are the greens you see in the spring when the buds are just the, the leaves are just bursting out of the trees, and then you get the darker greens as the summer wears on, um, and then you get the faded greens as the tree starts pulling its life force back into its roots and out of the branches and out of the leaves, and the leaves start changing colors and you get the reds and you get the purples and you get the faded colors and you start to see more blues, not in the leaves, but in the spaces that the leaves have left when they've fallen from the trees. So that's what I'm seeing in Forest Gremlin Green. Probably way more than he intended, but anyway. And then we have one of my all-time favorites, 
um, this image in whatever medium I see it in, in whatever form that I see it in, always touches something in me. I identify with this, and that is Jesse Lindsay's Green Man. Now, usually you see the green man depicted with the leaves and the twigs and the acorns and the nature creating the face. And that is exactly what he has done here. He has used the imagery of the leaves and nature to create the face of the green man. And now we have Lost in Translation by Boreana Ananieva. And I just, I love her work. And you can see in this piece, it's the eyes. It's the confusion. It's the disillusionment. And just the one tear that, yeah, something was lost in translation. Something's gone. Something she had that was special and beautiful, she had to let go of. And then we have one that is a personal favorite of mine, not because she is a very dear friend, but because it fits very well with my book. And that is Moonlight Desires by Lally Napier. And I just, I love the fact that it's done in blacks and whites and grays, that there is no color. It's the shadow and the shadow of the ship really stands out against that moon and it's very prominent in the picture and it's one of my favorites I just I'm sorry it is because you know I write I wrote a book about ships and there it is and then we have Sky City by Ed Bickford and Lally is a newcomer to the art gallery not to the magazine but to the art gallery and it's another one of his um, retro comic book cover styles. And I thought it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. I love the retro faded scarred up look of the cover. So that is our art gallery for this month. Now over in reviews, we have... Um, Jason Bayshard's review of Good Kids. And again, entertaining and funny, as always. Really makes me want... Actually, I do want to go and watch this movie. Um, just based off his review. I do want to go. And Jason also says a special, special shout-out and congratulations to the entire The World of Myth family. Happy anniversary, and here's to many more. Huzzah! So. And don't forget, people, go comment. Comment, comment, comment. I really enjoyed, I, I always enjoy Jason's reviews. And I do actually base a lot of my movie picks off of what he says. Now we have Luna Lupine. I put a leash on her, dragged her out of the bush, and had her do a review of Pet Cemetery. And I think in honor of the 15th anniversary, she went old school. Um, she did the book, not the movie, obviously, because the movie is different than the book. And the book has so much more in it. I actually learned 
something from her um, review that I did not know. I did not know that it was based off of W.W. W. Jacobs' 1902 classic, The Monkey Paw. I did not know that. So now I'm going to have to go and find that, and I'm going to have to read that. And I'm going to have to find out why it was based off that. And you can comment on her book review as well. Now we have Jeff R. Young in his first appearance as our new game reviewer. So, and don't forget, you can comment on his game reviews, give him suggestions. I've noticed that people have been doing that on his Facebook page, which is great. Um, I'm sure he really appreciates that. And you can also do it here. And he did a review of Star Wars Battlefront 2 for the Xbox. My daughter has an Xbox. I hate her Xbox. So I'm not, I don't know much about video games. I'm not a video gamer, which is why Jeff writes the video game reviews. So go check that one out and leave a comment if you agree or you disagree or you think he missed something, let him know. I think he did a great job. Thank you very much. All right. I think. Oh, then we have the art review. And that's by David K. Montoya. And he did Edward Munch's Vampire. And you really should go and read it because it sheds a lot of light on a lot of the theories that are behind this particular piece. And I have to agree with some of them. Oh, and by the way, David, uh, the editor-in-chief, which is me, is not letting you go. You're not getting out of this. No, you are the art reviewer. I'm sorry. Until you run out of art, you're there. Nice try, though. <laughs> you're stuck, dude. You're stuck. Okay, so check out his art review. And then, of course, as always, commentary from the founder, our fearless leader, David K. Montoya. And that, my friends, in one hour and 39 minutes. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Interviews. Yes. The showdown happened. The interview that many of you have been waiting for has happened between me and the Mythbuster yet again. All I have to say is you can send bees after me. You can send what you like. I still got away because I'm still here. Neener, neener, neener. And this is not the second best podcast on the network. Want to know why? Because you're not on the network. <laughs> You're exclusive to the magazine. I am the best podcast on the network. <laughs> anyway, I love you, Mythmaster. Mwah. So go check out the podcast. And there's a couple of surprises in there. There was a surprise guest. So a few questions that caught me totally off guard and had me laughing so hard I could barely breathe. So I suggest you go and check that out. The link is there. It says click here. So click there. Um, 
Yes, that's it. That is all. That is everything in a nutshell. If I've missed anything, anywhere, I tried to make sure I got every story, every poem, and every piece of artwork, but it was brought to my attention recently that when I was doing a review, I may have missed a story, and I apologize again for that. So if I have missed your story, please let me know, and I will talk about it in my next podcast, um, which is coming up next week. So I want to wish the world of myth a happy anniversary, a happy birthday, and um, I'm already planning for the next 15 years. So let's keep this wonderful momentum, this quirky, crazy, funny, totally unique little family that we have going. Let's keep this magazine going. And let's make sure that we show our appreciation for each other. Because without the staff, there wouldn't be a magazine. But without the writers and the like, without the contributors, without our, our poets and our storytellers and our artists, there would be nothing to put in the magazine. And without the readers, there would be nothing to show. There would be nobody to appreciate what's put in the magazine. So we're all connected. We're all just as important. Each cog in that wheel of this magazine is important. And if one of those cogs is missing, the wheel doesn't turn. So I want to thank our contributors. I want to thank our readers. And I want to thank the wonderful people that I get to work with. Um, not in person, obviously, because we are spread out all over the place, but through Skype and email. Um, Kevin, it's always entertaining and I still am the, the gift master. Um, Dave, thank you for talking me off the ledge more than once. <laughs> talking me out of throwing in the towel and quitting. And encouraging me. And giving, like Kevin said, us misfits a home. And yeah, I'm here as long as you'll have me. And on that note... I'm going to end this episode as we are now at the one minute and four, one hour, 44 minute mark. Thank you, everybody. And start sending your stories in for next month. You can, oh, I meant to tell you, yes, you can now submit to more than one category. If you have a horror story, if you have a fantasy story, if you also have a comedy story, you can submit all three. And, you know, who knows? could be all three are going to be put into the magazine. So um, that is one of the changes that I have made is you can now submit more than one story. We are going to be bringing in some new categories. Uh, in the poll that I did, um, historical fiction did win out over romance, but historical fiction can also be romantic. Just saying. So we will be bringing out some new categories in the coming months. Um, congratulations again to Melissa Ridley-Elms on winning the open contract, our first open contract challenge. And 
I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in February at PCE that can make it. If you can't, figure it out. You best want to be there. I'm telling you, there's some exciting stuff going to happen. And okay, so on that note, have a good night. And I will talk to you all next week. See ya. The World of Mitch Bitch.